This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, my peers, and welcome to another episode of the Peers Project podcast. So today I'm sharing with you all a conversation I had with another inspiring millennial entrepreneur. She's the creator and founder of Soak Society, a natural beauty and wellness company that creates bath soaks for the modern woman. So who is this brilliant young entrepreneur I'm talking about? Well, her name is Natalie Thorogood. I'm so excited for today's episode, my peers, because Natalie really hits home on a topic that I'm very passionate about, and that is mindset. You know, our mindset is everything, my peers. It's so important with everything that we do and that we're striving to achieve for ourselves. It all comes down to the type of mindset that we have and that we're in. You know, we have to first believe that we're worthy of succeeding. We have to believe that we're worthy of making some serious money or making a greater impact or just doing work that we genuinely care about every day. So in this episode, Natalie and I go deep. You know, she talks about how she felt a strong pull towards creating and selling products from a young age and how that led her to mixing and creating her own bath soaks. More importantly, she delves into what it takes to become a successful and fulfilled entrepreneur, such as constantly looking to expand your skill set and having a strong focus on personal development. So as a result of Natalie's determination and her mindset, over the last few years, she's grown Soak Society into a successful global business with over 200 stockists in Australia and 100 stockists in Japan. In 2017, Soak Society was also awarded the Antil Cool Company Award and the Sunshine Coast Business Award. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Natalie Thorogood. Natalie, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. So, you know, I was introduced to you by way of um, a good friend and another podcast guest interviewee, Lucy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, she she told me all about the phenomenal work you're doing, you've done, and I just knew I had to have you come on the show. So I'm really excited for today's um, interview. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Great. So, you know, before I dive into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and what impact has this had on the choices you've made in your life, in your career so far? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I grew up on Queensland's Sunshine Coast in Australia. I was born there and raised there and actually my whole family, um, even my great-grandparents were born in that um, same town. So um, it's a pretty special place. Um, I moved um, to Sydney when I left school um, and lived all around the world and all around Australia basically and I've only just moved back to the Sunshine Coast about uh, two or three years ago. So, yeah, it's actually really nice to to come home and set up the business here and um, be around family again. Um, I'd say just like having an outdoors lifestyle because it's like really um, beach focused. You know, I did um, surf lifesaving and things like that when I was a kid and athletics and all those kinds of things. So I think, um, yeah, just having a, you know, that really balanced lifestyle, like not growing up in a city, um, I think was really good for me. I really enjoyed it. I can't complain about my childhood. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I think that, I think it's so fascinating how your whole family has always lived there and they've mm. all grown up there. You know, what impact mm. do you think that had in terms of, you know, your grandparents still being there and whatnot, you know, having your mm. whole family there, you know, do, did you feel like it was, it was just that place that you always saw as your home and that would always be your home in the future? Yeah. Or what was that like for you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think just having support as well. Um, I think I got used to not like living around family, just like I wanted to get out as soon as I left school. But yeah, it has been really nice um, coming home and knowing that, you know, I do have support, whether it's, you know, when we get busy, you know, saying, mum, can you come and help? Or, you know, just having people close by, I think has been really, um, yeah, I couldn't have done it without my family. So yeah. For that. nice. And so yeah. did you grow up with brothers and sisters? Did, you know, was it just you? Uh, yeah, I've got one brother. Yep. And he's actually, um, so neither of my parents are um, entrepreneurial. They've both been um, pretty much in the same job since they were um, in their early 20s. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting to see that my brother and I both have our own businesses <laughs> and are very much um, determined and um yeah, pretty stubborn. So it's, um, yeah, it's really an interesting contrast because, um, we're the first in, in our, you know, even extended family to, to do our own thing. So wow. yeah, I sometimes wonder how that happens, but, um, yeah, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. So what did yeah. your parents do? What industries were they in? Um, my mum has always worked in admin, um, for various industries and my dad works for Energex, which is like the electrical supplier in Queensland. Um, so <laughs> nothing to do with any of those but um yeah I guess they were always encouraging of us just trying different things out so so yeah I want to dive into yeah. you know Natalie the early years so you know you're you're growing up on the beach you know mm-hmm. beach town life um you know very great family life and whatnot it seems you know what what were some of your early endeavors like what did you like you know did you were there ever like little projects you decided to create at a young age that kind of showed you that entrepreneurship was the path for you or um yeah I did actually um when I was a kid I did lots of different you know typical things like washing cars and trying to make money off the neighbors (laughs) and um uh then when I was about 15 or 16 I started a fashion label and I used to sew clothes on my um sewing machine that my mum had given me and I actually sold them at a local store um here in Maroochydore on the Sunshine Coast um just at the one store um, and then that ended up closing down and so I stopped doing that little venture and um, didn't sort of do anything until after I left school and I had a few other random businesses. I used to sell 
bookmarks at a market when we lived in Western Australia. Just, yeah, just all kinds of random things really. And I guess um, I'd always been entrepreneurial but never sort of like put two and two together and thought, oh, you know, it's actually a career option and I can do it as, you know, as my job. I always just sort of thought of it as a side side projects. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until I started Soap Society that was my, you know, real um, business that I thought, yes, I want to I want to do this full time. So, yeah. So I find that fascinating. So talk to me a little bit more about that fashion label. So, you know, you're how old were you at, at the time? I was 16. I think it was grade 11. Yeah. 16 <laughs> and you just thought, you know what, I'm just going to create some clothing and have it stocked in a store. Like how does that, how did that even go down? You know, what kind of prompted you to create that kind of first initial venture to be honest I can't remember um I think at the time um I had a few friends that were interested in the same things um you know making clothes and screen printing and things like that and um I loved playing around on the sewing machine so I just thought why not I think I actually had a friend that used to also stock at the same store and he ended up getting me an intro and it just kind of happened like that so Mm. No, no. <laughs> so so interesting. I always tr- trying to dissect like that mindset that you have yeah. to go. I'm actually going to go do this as opposed to maybe going to get a part time job or whatever it may be. I that as well, I always have that as well. Okay, <laughs> right, love it. Okay, great. It's funny, like I think you, you know you change so much, and like that was like what 15 years ago, and you think like what was yeah, what was I thinking at that time? Like it's so hard to remember. Totally, but. I guess it's just an instinctive thing, isn't it? Like um, wanting to sort of sell something and and have like create something and sell something. I think that's every entrepreneur has that feeling. It's just whether it, you know, how it kind of appears can be funny sometimes. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, great. So then you, you know, you had that and then you headed off to university. So, you know, I saw that you studied um, was it marketing, I think it was. Yeah, communications. So I did, yeah, communications. Um, yeah, I did that course at QUT, mm. but I was um, about 24 when I started that, so I had a few years between leaving school and, and going back to uni. So, yeah, I sort of travelled and just worked in lots of different jobs during that time um, and then thought, okay, I'm ready to learn again, and, and that's when I started the degree at QUT in Brisbane. So, yeah. Okay, so I find that really fascinating how you took kind of those, that that gap, you know, um, before going from university through to before going from high school through to university. I think something that we talk about a lot here on, on the podcast is actually knowing what route to take, you know, and not just following what everyone else is doing. So, how did you decide that you actually got to go out there and start traveling and working overseas before going to university? Um, well, something that I missed out of the story was that I did go to university um, for one semester after I left school. Ah. I every subject <laughs> because I was working full-time um, at that point and um, just wasn't interested. I just wanted to work and learn that way. So, yeah, obviously left um, after that semester and, um, yeah, and then moved away um, to Sydney and I uh, was working in hotels down there and ended up uh, managing a hotel yeah, so I just wanted to kind of learn in workplaces, I guess, and then, yeah, and then I was sort of, I got to that point at 24 where I just felt like, okay, I want to learn something and sort of be qualified in something, I guess, not just um, 
sort of I'd sort of up to that point just done um, hotels, hospitality, administration, those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So talk to us about, I find that fascinating, that pivotal moment you had after first semester going, nah, this isn't for me and I'm literally just going to move states and just do something different. Like, you know, it, that takes courage. And I think that, you know, I mean, what, I'm interested to know what your family thought at that time. Were they nervous? How did, how were you feeling? Very encouraging. I moved in with one friend down there. So uh, yeah, I knew one person in Sydney um, and it really was the best thing I could have ever done because it just taught me a load of like life skills instantly, you know, living out of home and um, being in a big city, you know, coming from Noosa to Sydney was a big change and I couldn't have asked for anything better at that point because it just, yeah, it taught me so many things so quickly and just gave me, I guess, the courage to then go overseas by myself and do other things alone. Yeah, I'm really into self-development and that kind of thing. And if I ever mm-hmm. see anyone that's, you know, that age and single now, I'm just like, go overseas, <laughs> like, you know, go explore by yourself. Don't be, um, you know, you're only that age once, so you may as well just go and um, learn as much as you can. Yeah. Mm, I completely agree. So what you mentioned that there were some things that you learnt straight off the bat that mm-hmm. were invaluable. What were those things? Uh, I think just... Um, how to, you know, be a good housemate and, and live with other people, um, working with different kinds of employers and different um, teammates. Um, I don't think that I could have got that experience being on the Sunshine Coast. We're pretty, like, insulated here. So, yeah, and just just general life stuff, I guess. And um, started exploring. I did lots of little um, short courses like um, photography course. I did an interior design course, just things that we don't have access to. Um, that I mean, now it's different. This was more than 10 years ago. So, you know, there wasn't even any, I don't think I even had an iPhone then, <laughs> you know, it's different now, but, um, yeah, it was, um, at that point, just good to get out and, and explore the world. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. So there are two questions here. Firstly, what do you think was one of the biggest learnings you had about yourself during this time? And secondly, where did you go overseas? Um, so I went to, um, I first left and travelled around Southeast Asia um, alone, so, you know, the usual sort of trail of Thailand, Laos, that kind of thing, Singapore, went to Borneo, and then I moved to Canada, um, to Whistler, uh-huh. like every other Aussie, <laughs> to uh, do the working visa thing for a year, and that was amazing. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing I learnt was just, um, like, how to adapt, you know, to any situation. And I think that has kind of um, helped me in, you know, in being an entrepreneur. Um, I don't know if it's kind of like you're always that way inclined um, and you're constantly searching, which I think is something that all entrepreneurs have in common. You know, you're constantly searching for new learnings and new self-development. So I think at that point, you know, when you're 21, 22, I think I was just doing it probably subconsciously. (laughs) Um, But it was amazing. I think, you know, every young person should get out and go and live somewhere overseas. I think it's really different than just traveling (laughs) Um, Mm. or just going on a trip, you know? So, yeah. Love that. And I think it's that I so resonate with that. You learn how to adapt to those situations. And I, I, I also completely agree in terms of how much that just helps with entrepreneurship and also just whatever path you're on, you know, whatever employer you have, whoever it may be, just having that flexibility and being flexible and knowing how to make the most of every situation and adapt in that way. Um, okay. I find that really interesting. So 
after Canada, after that year of just like complete immersion over there, what came next for you? Was that when you decided actually university is right for me now? Uh, no, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> uh, I then moved to Perth with my partner at the time. Uh, we lived there for six months and then we moved up to the Kimberley, to Derby, to a really small town. It's about three hours north of Broome. And we lived there for a year, I think. Mm. Yeah. And I worked for the flying doctor service doing admin, used to guide on clinic flights with the nurse um, to small remote Indigenous communities. And uh, that was just a whole experience in itself. I could talk <laughs> to a whole podcast about that. Um, and then we moved back to Queensland and sort of did a big road trip across the top of Australia and moved back to Queensland. And it was at that point that, um, yeah, that I started my degree. So, yeah. Mm. Fascinating. So you're now, you know, you're in your degree, you've done all this amazing travel, um, you've figured out really what suits you best and you're ready to kind of like learn some core skills. So, you know, I saw that you started your company, um, so Soak Society, I think it was almost around the same time you, I think it was about two years after you uh, did university uh, in 2014. You know, talk to us a bit about that progression, those two years at uni, and then that idea for Soak Society. Yeah, sure. Um, So I think the degree that I did was really good in that um, the skills can be used in any industry. Like it was a communications degree and the major was PR. And I knew that I I couldn't ever imagine myself going to work for a PR firm, um, you know, in the city or something. I just always thought, no, nah, I don't want to work in a desk job, but I thought all well, these skills are going to be good for for anything. Um, and I was sort of just drawn to that kind of degree anyway. So, yeah, I had, I think, yeah, a year and a half or, yeah, I think around a year and a half and then I did an exchange. I went to um, Mexico, to Guadalajara for, wow. for one semester. And it was that, in that time that um, – I started to just get loads of ideas. I think because when I was there, I wasn't working. Like I was just studying at the uni, which was um, probably a little bit easier than our unis. Um, and also just traveling around on weekends. So I just had loads of like time sitting on buses, you know, daydreaming. Um, don't think I had an iPhone there either. So I probably just had a flip phone or something. So, you know, not many distractions. Lots of time in nature and traveling around and learning about myself, obviously, but just learning about other culture. And um, yeah, and then I just started getting all these ideas and I'd write them down. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do something like when I came back to Australia, some kind of importing of, of product um, from Mexico or, or something like that. So then I arrived back and moved back to Brisbane. And yeah, I was sort of still looking into these ideas of maybe like a hot cocoa using chocolate from Mexico or. Yeah, I had loads. (laughs) I knew I wanted something, um, but nothing sort of stuck. Um, And it was probably a couple of months. So, yeah, I was still finishing the last, I think, year and a half of my degree after I got got back. And at the time I was working part-time in a cafe in um, New Farm in Brisbane and would just get like really sore, you know, you sore body at the end of the day. You've spent 12 hours on your feet. And I'd always had Epsom salt baths Mm. um, as a kid. Um, you know, after sports and things like that. And I always remember my mum saying, you know, how good they are for you. And so I sort of just started mixing, like it was the first time I'd had a bathtub, I think, in a unit for a long time. So I I was taking advantage of that and just sort of really got into it again and was making up blends at home using essential oils with clays and the salts. Yeah, and then I sort of was looking around and I couldn't find anything that was the blend that I was making. It's that classic story of, you know, finding a product. 
well, I made the product for myself, I guess, and then, um, mm. yeah, and then sort of thought, well, this is it. Like I couldn't find anyone else doing, you know, the vision that I'd had in my head for this product and something that looked really chic and not, um, you know, that typical, you know, products that usually have the ingredients that we have look a bit more like hippie or um, uh, not as sophisticated. So, yeah, that was kind of the original original concept. So I just started with the one product and then just um, have gradually increased the range since 2014. Mm. <laughs> yeah, wow. So I always find... I always find that fascinating, the, the, the why, you know, and it, it does often come down to solving a problem for yourself usually or a problem that you see in someone that you love or someone that's close to you or, you know, and people often ask, you know, but how do you come up with these ideas? You know, I want to try and do something and I want to maybe try and do something on my own, but I don't know what an idea, what a problem is or what an idea is. And I think it's just like you're, you're a perfect example of just solving it for myself first and just literally making a a mix by yourself, you know? And so talk to us a bit about when you kind of thought, okay, great. Now I'm going to actually turn this into a real thing and how that, you know, what were those early challenges in getting this off the ground? Yeah. I really think that, um, you have to feel like a, like a strong pull. Like I can't, I don't think you can ever just go, Oh, I want to start something. What am I going to make? You know, I think, Mm. I think you kind of always like, um, aware of these kind of ideas, but it has to be a really, really strong pull in one direction. It, when I first started, I didn't know anything about um, making um, a website or, or any anything about making a product. I'd never done anything like this before, um, and I didn't even really have that many contacts um, of anyone um, who could help me. I think my cousin actually suggested the first way to make, and he suggested Shopify in the very beginning. He's the only entrepreneur I knew. <laughs> and he was in a different industry and I was just like, Hey, can you help me? And, um, yeah, so I started on Shopify originally and, you know, it wasn't doing that well. It was the occasional order here and there, but, um, yeah, I just sort of thought, Oh, well it's, it's up and running and it, it's there and, um, I've started <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't until, um, I started getting inquiries from stores that I thought, Oh, I can be a wholesale business, um, and, and start to go down that path. So, yeah, those were sort of the first challenges, I guess, of like packaging and um, how to actually create the products that I've been making myself, how to make it more stable and all these kinds of things and just Googling and just learning along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then starting to getting, yeah, a few inquiries from stores. Had no idea how to wholesale, didn't even know <laughs> the sense of, you know, the retail price or anything like that. Um, and yeah. luckily I had some really nice um, stockers in the beginning that said, that sort of talked me through it um, and said that they'd help out because obviously they could tell that I had no idea. And um, yeah, and just sort of built it that way. So sort of started with one or two and then it became 10. Um, and I think. Wow. Um, at the point where I resigned from my full-time job, I think maybe I had 20 or 30 um, stores. Wow. Yeah, so which is wow. not too many really, but I just sort of um, just had to take the leap because I wanted to focus on it full-time, yeah. Well, so many questions come out of that. I think the first one is just a more a statement, uh, a remark, I don't know, it's, it's that idea of it's almost comforting to see kind of obviously what you've built, but that you actually just didn't know anything to start off with. You know, I think so many of us have this false kind of glossed view, you know, you jump on your Instagram, it looks phenomenal, you know, your website, all of that, the branding looks so put together, you know, and it's just, 
you know, I think something that we all need to recognize here is that you started just not having no idea, you know, learning from these stockists that, you know, would hopefully stock your product. Um, and so I think that's a really important learning for us all to take on board. But that's my a question I have for you is really around, you know, that transition of now I've got one stockist or two, okay, I think I can do this. You know, what were some of the strategies that you used to get other people on board and get more stockists? Um, so a couple of things. Um, before I'd resigned from the job I was working at, I um, had moved back to the Sunshine Coast and it was in the first couple of months of moving back that I found um, it was kind of like um, an accelerator course. It was like ah. an incubator program. It was, it was sort of both. It was like people who hadn't launched yet and, and yeah, it was sort of a mix. And um, that was run in Maroochydore on the Sunshine Coast um, by Spark Bureau. And it was just so helpful, like having somewhere to go every day that wasn't in my home and working with like-minded people and just really like thinking, I think more, more just the, um, the confidence in myself built during that six months of doing that course. It was like, okay, I can actually do this. Lots of other people are doing it. Um, it's not just a side project. And yeah, and it was at that, that sort of at the end of that course where I said, okay, um, I'm going to resign. Um, my partner helped out with the rent, like he paid the rent for six yeah, months. Wow. Said, amazing. Okay, this is, you know, this is the time period where you mm. need to get up to a point where, you know, it's, it's paying you. And, um, I set myself a challenge of, um, just monthly sales targets. Um, so I worked out how many, um, new stockists I needed to get you know, in the first month after resigning. Um, yeah. And just sort of increased it gradually. And I actually hit all those targets for that first six months. So, wow. yeah. And I think it was like, I think I'd, I'd been pretty ambitious as well. I think it was, you know, it was only like 2000 for the first month or something, but then I increased it by 50% each time. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that is phenomenal. And I think it was just such like a good validation of, mm. um, my idea and what I was doing. Um, and I just went hard. I was just working all the time. I was, you know, developing new products, um, cold calling. I think I did a trade show in that time as well. Um, and I remember in my first, um, week after resigning from my job, I had a meeting with lovely lady who was CFO at Roses Only, a big wow. retail group in Australia. And, they agreed to partner and um, they're one of our, now one of our biggest um, Australian stockers still. Um, wow. a couple of years later. So that was like, you know, in that first week that when I was freaking out, you know, that was <laughs> like really good to have that meeting and them go, yeah, we want to buy this and stock it on the store. And wow. yeah, so that was, it was amazing. Um, mm. That first six months, it was so exciting and, you know, hitting all those targets and going, okay, yep, this is a real business. Um, mm. I also moved it the business out of my house during that time. I think at the end of that six months, I sort of got a small warehouse that was sharing with another business, like um, sort of she subleased part of it. So all those things sort of happened in that time. And I was, you know, it just really gave me the confidence to go, yep, this is what I want to do. And yeah, it's mm. making money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I find that fascinating. I think that that idea of setting those like monthly goals and going, you know, those targets in, in terms of business, it's how much do I need to make to for me to live also and for me to continue to do this. Um, I think that's so important and I think it could be translated to so many areas, whether it's, um, you know, 
um, developing your skill set. Like, you know, this month I want to be here, next month. A question I have for you is around how did you, you know, make sure that you hit all of those targets? You said you hit them all for six months straight. Like, that's crazy. You know, what were some specific, like, techniques that you used to make sure that you made that happen? Yeah, well, I think um, something else I was going to say as well is, like, just around the whole, like, money mindset. And um, I think before that I wasn't really – believing in myself that I could earn money. And I think like just changing my mindset around I'm worthy of this and, you know, people do want to buy my products and, um, you know, I am a business and this is what businesses have to do to (laughs) stuff. And, you know, like just changing my whole mindset around that. I think a lot of females in particular that I've come across in um, my journey so far is, you know, they just, they think, oh, I'd really love to do that. Or I really wish my business could get to this point. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to just be a hobby on the side. It can be your full-time business. It's just, you just have to put in the work and just believe in, believe in and accept the money that you know that you're worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important. So what I did um, was I looked on <laughs> lots of other um, <laughs> stores, websites yes. on their stockers lists I made a list for myself um, of the stores that uh, thought suited our product as well. And I'm sure a lot of people will. <laughs> a lot of people do this as well. But um, yeah, just sort of tar- like um, at that point, I don't think I had enough money to go to a trade fair. So this was pre-trade fair. I just had to mm-hmm. do it all via email and phone call. I probably had about a 20% like um, reply rate of them just saying possibly they were interested. So, you know, emailing 100 people and getting 20 replies and going, how many can I convert out of those? And sending sample packs I think Mm -hmm. is good when you have a low-cost item um, that you can send out for people to try. Yeah, just being really aggressive with, you know, okay, well, how many gift stores are there in Australia that would suit my product and how can I, um, yeah, how can I contact those? It's a lot of work but, um, yeah, I think if if you just go for it. Yeah, I think that was the thing that that um that built the business was is wholesale, um, and we're only just now starting to look at at retail sales. So ah, yeah, I, I find it fascinating how you were able to find a business model that works for you, even though initially you started with kind of online sales, it wasn't working out, but then you pivoted to figure out that, okay, what's going to work for me best is this wholesale idea, and now that's that's the way you've grown your business. So, what you know. What advice would you give for some, you know, some of our peers out there listening who are trying to find that right business model for them? What advice would you give? I think just looking at a lot of other case studies and there's so many online courses now that you can do in e-commerce if that's the way you want to go. I think as well like thinking about your lifestyle and what kind of business you want and designing it to that and designing it to the market. I think that was something I didn't do in the start. I I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to make this product and, and see what happens. I didn't really think too much about, oh, okay, well, there's, you know, these women that um, are stressed and busy and need a product, you know, I'm going to design it for them. It was more just, um, I guess that's why it's taken me longer <laughs> because I have been learning a lot along the way. But I think now there's so many more resources and entrepreneurship is more of a, a buzzword, I guess. So um, I think it's part intuition and I think it's part, thinking about your, your lifestyle and thinking about, um, you know, things that you, you want, um, and how you want the business to grow. Um, I don't think there's one size fits all and, or one, you know, rule book or anything like that. 
I probably can't give too much advice on any other um, other industries, you know, service industries or anything like that. But if I was going to start another e-commerce business now, I would really look at, okay, um, what's a group of people that um, really are demanding a product and there's nothing else out there like that. I'm going to make a product for them. Um, and just, I would, yeah, I would do a lot of things differently, but, um, yeah, I think I would, um, probably start with an e-commerce store rather than starting with wholesale and going that way, just because the profit is better with, um, (laughs) so yeah. And that's the things you don't know until you kind of go through the whole process. But now I think for us to have a sustainable business, we need to make the the split more even between wholesale and, and retail and distributor sort of um sales yeah mm. so many little gems there i'm gonna break that all down for everyone um so we can take that, those pieces of advice valuable um great so looking at i think that you know uh, it's fascinating to see your progression to hear your story and you know i just before we start to wrap up i just want to ask you about a little bit about that progression so you know you're almost five years in you know trooper you're you know most people after two years if it doesn't work out they quit so um hats off to you for that but you know what has been the progression like for you what is, how has your life changed as a result of this business mm, that's a good question um i think that thing that i love most about being an entrepreneur is the self-development. I don't think that, I think there's very few employers or roles or jobs that you can get that. So that's probably the thing that I love the most. And just being able to um, be in control of my own time. Uh, I think I was always, I hate to use the word destined, but I, I think I was always meant to be doing what I'm doing. And if I wasn't doing Soak Society, I'd be doing a different business. And I think that's probably what's going to happen in the future because I I don't ever want to work for somebody else again. Um, so I think just having having the freedom to do what I want, and it has been a long, hard slog. And like I said, I did still work full time for the first couple of years of, of the business. Um, and there's always ups and downs. You know, there's months where I want to just quit and I'm on seek looking for a job and then I'm like, no, what am I doing? You know, like it's, it's up and down. But um, I think overall, like my, my – um, Life has changed for the better in terms of wanting to get up every day and I'm never like, oh, I have to go to work and, you know, do this. Like I'm Mm. I'm working on weekends and at nights and it doesn't bother me in the slightest, you know, like friends that I catch up with on weekends and they're complaining about their jobs and I'm like, you know, I could never imagine ever being like, oh, I have to to do something. I'm like, I get to do this every day. (laughs) Like how cool is that? So, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing for me, yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to hear that because you can really see it in the work you do, all the effort you put in, it really translates. So, I mean, you know, and that kind of leads me to um, the acknowledgement phase, you know, we just want to acknowledge you, Nat, for the awesome work you've done and that you're doing. You know, you really are a leader of our generation and we're so lucky to have people like you we can look up to, who we can model, you know, understand the strategies that you've used to actually do what you love every day and um, the business that you've been able to build. So for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. If you um, want to get in contact with me, I'd love for any of your listeners to just send me a direct message on Soak Society on Instagram if they want to chat further about anything. Brilliant. Yeah. We'll link that up <laughs> in the show notes for sure. So last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? The value for me is just um, 
yeah, having my own, my freedom to do what I want um, and enjoy every day. I think it's not so much about um, how much money that I'm making or um, anything like that. It's just like, for me, I love traveling. Um, so the value for me is, yeah, being able to travel and um, see things that I want to see and, yeah, create new things all the time, creating new products. Um, I get to create on my blog and, yeah, so many things. It's possibilities are just endless. So I'm mm. um, looking forward to like what the next few years are going to bring with Soak Society and, you know, being able to travel for, for the business and, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the value for me. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, Nat. Thanks so much. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Um, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Natalie Thorogood, or you can um, follow me on Instagram. It's just at Soak Society. And that's about it. Follow us on Facebook as well, if you like, but we're more active on Instagram. Yeah. Love it. Great. And for <laughs> everyone else listening, we will end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.